back to the podcast. It's episode nine. Music Park Podcast. The last one. Number nine. Before we go to number ten. Which is the first time we get double figures. I know. Crazy. I used to have a podcast of my own. I never got past three or four episodes. No, I watched them all. Yeah, and I, I, I watched the last one though. No. Star Wars. <laughs> I was just trying to come up with something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what this, this is good. Yeah, you just got to keep, keep going. It's punk rock, man. You just got to try and try and figure out where your where your thing is yeah. and where where you sit, you know. And it's the whole DIY thing. Yeah, there's all these podcasts. You, Chris, and I do all this ourselves. Yes, we do. The studio is not ours. It belongs no. to Kev. Kev Chaos, Chaos Studio. Chaos Studio. Thank you very much. Thank again you very much, for Kev. our show and letting us use this place. It's but great. the whole thing, the camera, the tripods, the microphones, computer, the program we the use, everything. All that stuff. Little James. Little James. Can you go flat on his head? Pardon? Can you go flat on his head upside down? I don't know. Why did you do it? Or oh, don't you dare. I wouldn't do that to James. Oh, see, I would. <laughs> I would. If it was mine, I'd be having him upside down and go, I'm a fiddler. I'm a fidgeter. If you watch the videos, you see my hands move all the time. They flap. Chris stays nice and still, but my hands go all over the shop. Yep. I watch it myself and I think, what are you doing? <laughs> So yeah, welcome back. Um, thank you for all your comments again and your um, subscribing and liking and and the patronage. Yep, and comments and questions and yeah, it's been really really good feedback again. I had a woman the other day walking down the street with all these groceries, you know, yeah. walked up to me and didn't say a word. I thought you haven't listened to the Music Bar podcast yet, have you? If that was your had... wife, wasn't it? Hey, that was your wife, wasn't it? She hasn't listened yet. <laughs> I don't expect her to. I don't expect her to. No. She gets to listen to me at home all day. If I went up to her and said, you've got to, Michelle, you've got to listen to my podcast. She, she'd go, do I have to? I live with you. I hear you talk about this crap at home all day. Why do I have to listen to the podcast? What's so, what's so unique about you? She hasn't got time for that. We've got, we've got kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True I've barely true. got time to do this. <laughs> We're fitting it in. That's the main thing. Fitting yeah. it in. That's exactly right. Yeah. All Make right. Do. Thank you very much for everything. Yeah. Look, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the last episode about 1991. What a year. What a year in music. And there were so many albums we didn't touch on. I know. It's crazy. Well, one you didn't mention, and I just wanted to give a brief mention to, is David Lee Roth's album, A Little Ain't Enough. Mm-hmm. Not a great record, but it had a guy called Jason Becker on guitar. Oh, yeah. Jason Becker, before he could even tour that album... He replaced Steve Vai, and if you're a guitarist, you know you you know who Steve Vai is. Yep. Um, have you seen Steve Vai's videos lately? He's doing something with his tuning and his playing style that is out of this world. He's changed the way he plays really? uniquely with his fingers. Maybe he did this thing when he was a kid. He looked at his fingers on his left hand and he said, "I magically willed them to get longer," <laughs> and they did. Look at my, and I've got, if you've got the video, I've got these short, stubby sausage fingers, you know, so. I saw a song that he wrote, Steve I, that is. Uh, he had had um, surgery on his arm, so his arm was stuck like this in a sling. Mm-hmm. So he went and got his guitar, and he held the top of the guitar with his hand, and wrote a song using one hand only. And he recorded it, and it's actually on YouTube, you can go watch him play a song, just play with one guitar, uh, one hand on the guitar while he held this. All right. He's either really clever or a genius or he's a show off. (laughs) He's probably both. (laughs) Well, what I wanted to mention about Jason Becker is uh, those who follow rock and roll and guitarists and stuff, Jason Becker suffers from motor neurone disease. Mm -hmm. He developed it 30 years ago now. Yeah. And he's still alive. This guy can't, Jason cannot move anything. body. He can only move his eyelids. And he still composes music Mm -hmm. he has a system where he uses his eyes and his dad developed it and he still composes music and he's producing records still and he released one a couple of years ago and if you can look up jason becker on spotify and listen to that last record of his and youtube and listen to this music he's using other guitarists and other musicians come in and play with him Mm -hmm. there's a wonderful video of eddie van halen Yep. sitting with Jason Becker and yep. playing. And you can see Eddie feels kind of weird hmm. playing, doesn't he? They've been felt... friends for a very long time, Eddie was. But Eddie he? felt very weird about playing yeah. in front of Jason. But Jason was like, yeah, go for it. Please, play. And you, know? you mentioned last podcast, Nita Strauss, who plays guitar for um, Alice Cooper now. Mm-hmm. She has a solo album as well. But she also knows 
Jason Becker. There's she played a, on this a album. YouTube, yeah. a YouTube video of her visiting Jason Becker mm-hmm. at, at his house. Yeah. And she recently played on a, only a few days ago, um, a week ago, uh, Alice Cooper um, tour and uh, played one of Jason Becker's very well-known guitars. She was allowed to play right. it. She was allowed to play it. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a little-known person in the industry, mm. but honestly, I have a, this, this guy's still producing music. And if you watch his stuff, his music when he was, before he got sick, mm. he would have been one of the greatest guitar players ever. Yes, he, he would have been. He was so good. Mm. Um, yeah, amazing. Yeah, he would have Cacophony. been. Cacophony. Cacophony with Marty yeah, Friedman, who ended Friedman. up joining Megadeth. Yeah. That's yeah. it. So, yeah, but those two played together on stage and... What they could do on a guitar was just phenomenal. Mm. Phenomenal. It was really a thing about the that late '80s scene, but it, it all the, everyone was in Los Angeles making music, yeah, yeah. so they were all there, yeah. and they were all producing these these rock songs. You know, these guitarists were just popping up. We were always mentioning these guys. We say yeah. got names like Paul Gilbert. Yeah. Some people go, I don't know who that is, or it doesn't mean anything to me. But sometimes when we mention these players, they're played on something that you know yeah. and love. Yeah. Paul Gilbert played guitar on To Be With You by Mr. B. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Nuno Betancourt played the guitar on... Um, More Than Words. More Than Words. You know, we, we mentioned he all toured, this. Nuno toured with um, Rihanna as well. For <clears> that's time. right, he did too. So these guitar players who aren't in their own bands anymore have a bit of a hiatus. Yeah. Just joining other bands and playing. So yeah, mm. Rihanna had Nuno on there for quite some time actually. Yeah. Phenomenal guitar player. Mm, exactly. Um, could play anything. So yeah, no. It's, he, he can. You can. They reckon it's um, I, I saw this thing on you on uh, line once about Nuno Betancourt when he um, it was him that played. They used his flight of the bumblebee or yeah. something for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, that bit where all where is it Mozart is playing in the music shop. Mm-hmm. That's actually Nuno Betancourt on guitar. Yeah. Because he, he recorded that. that album, uh, that song on one of the albums. Yeah, Fly the Bumblebee. Yes, quick as anything. Oh, his version, and it's and it's not messy. It's not in any way. Yeah, it, it, he, he's it's, he's phenomenal. Yeah. So you know, of course, you all know Eddie Van Halen with "Beat It" and the Van Halen song. So mm-hmm. you know, we we don't get into a lot of the obscure ones. We we you just know we just know who they are because I like we used to know who our band members were, our favorite band. You know, we all know the members of our bands, but nowadays you kind of don't. Hmm. And I think I saw Bruce Springsteen say in his um keynote speech at SXSW one year that U2 was probably the last band he'll know all the members of. Yeah. He couldn't tell you the guitarist for this band or, you know, I've said to Chris off, off air, um, who's the guitarist for Matchbox 20? No idea. Couldn't tell you, could you? <laughs> Do you know Maroon 5 has six members in it? But I couldn't, I only tell you that Adam Levine's the lead singer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the way it is now. It it's, is, it's, yeah. we, we don't know, not that you care because you listen to them you think, well, I don't care who the guitar player is. No. I think if I was a fan of the band, like I was, or I am with other bands, I would go look into it. I would research it and learn it. But they kind of like, um, I don't have that with the new bands like like I used to when I was younger. Mm. So I don't go research, you know, all the, buy the magazines and learn the names of the... Well, we uh, used to. Yeah, you know, we used to, but don't anymore. Because there's yeah. no real music now that I'm going to ever become a fan of. It's going to take over someone like Metallica or Van Halen or Dream mm. Theater or something, you know, so... Um, I know all those band members, always will do. Yeah. Oh, I, I, my brain is full of band members' names. Yeah. Even Australian bands and all that sort of stuff, you know. I, and whether it's a blessing or a curse, but I like knowing yeah. this guy played with that guy. and yeah. That's why I used to like liner notes in band, in liner notes on albums. That's why I was interested in looking into Mother Love Bone and to Temple of the Dog. Because there's a band before Mother Love Bone that, Two, two of the guys were from Pearl Jam were in before that. Green River. Green River. Mm. So that's, and they were probably the start of the Seattle scene that became the grunge scene. Green River and the Melvins. Melvins, because they're all connected. Yeah. They're, they're so they all, all, they all knew each other. They're all, and that's what a local scene does bring yeah, too. Yeah. Everyone knows each other and everyone plays with each other and they all jam and they're all mates and they're all friends. And, and when the right connection joins, yeah. you get... Oh, jam. Yeah, the pearl, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That so kind of thing. That's what a, a local music scene can do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It really does. You know, it, it creates these these things, which is great. Yeah. And I, I love to encourage them. Yeah. You know, you need your local music scene. You, you, every, everyone needs Brisbane. I've always been a fan of the Brisbane local music scene. And, you know, one of my favorite albums this year is um, the DZ Death Rays album, Positive Rising Part 2. All right. It's probably my album of the year so far. Okay. Brisbane Band. 
Okay. Loved Easy Death Rays. Love them. I know them. Oh, two guitarists and a drummer, and they make some noise. Right. And they did a version this year with um, one of the Australian rappers, I can't remember which one it was, of um, NERD's Rockstar. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Okay. Really, really cool. Have you you've listened to Lars's kids band? No, I haven't yet. You have they? Re- they haven't it. actually released. Have they released? Something? I've only ever seen. I've seen live footage. Them jamming. It's Lars's son and Corey Taylor's son, isn't it? No, it's Lars's two sons. What about Corey Taylor's son? Is in a band now too. Um, From Slipknot, Corey Taylor and Sean Cran. Okay. Their kids have formed a band as well. Right. Keep the fires burning, guys. What was it? The, the name of the band, I can't remember, it was from um, Lars's children, mm-hmm. two boys. I can't remember the name of the band, but there's only a, a drummer. One's a drummer, one's a bass player. And the bass player sings. Like Royal Blood. Like Royal Blood, they're just a bass player and a... And they make some noise. And a drummer, yeah. Hey, look, the White Stripes are just a guitarist and a drummer. Yeah. Have you heard the band from Australia called Over a Reactor? No, I have not. Because that's just a drummer and a singer. Wow. So tell you, over reactor. Yeah. I'm gonna look them up. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to mm. that. That sounds yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, that's well there's I mean talking about this is the movie Sound of Metal that came out last year. Not a bad film. It got nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. But yeah. what I liked is at the start, they were like this experimental metal band. It's just literally he was a heavy metal drummer, the main character, and his girlfriend singing and playing guitar. Brilliant. I love the opening yeah. song. I'm going, ah, is the music like this for the whole film? No, it's not. <laughs> I was a bit, ah. Fair enough. I've been looking for that song too. It's, it's fantastic, the, the song they open the yeah. movie with. It's, it's really, I like it anyway. I like a bit of experimental stuff. So yeah, yeah. Overreactor. Overreactor. I'm going to check it out. But look, Chris, I normally, we haven't got to the subject of what we're talking no, about. No, we haven't. We're <laughs> already 10 minutes in. I know. I know. We did a 500 best songs According to Rolling Stone the other week. Yeah. Well, of course, all these things open up the veritable can of worms. No, that absolutely. Things they are. And we all had great intentions that we were going to talk about our favorite songs. And literally, it was the last four minute, five minutes of the podcast where mm. we just went, oh, I like this song and I like that song and I like this song. <laughs> and why do you like it? That's good. That's great. That's great. And let's go. We've got to go. So let's have a little bit of time. Yeah. And we can talk about more than just our three. Because I think when we talk about our favorite songs, it might make you, the listener, viewer, whatever... Well, that's what my favourite, or I agree, or I disagree, or here's mine, because I really would like to know yours. Yeah. You know. So, let's reiterate with Chris. Tell us, again, your favourite song. Okay. So, my first song, number one song of, uh, favourite song of all time is Dreams by Van Halen, off the 5150 album. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting choice, because not many people would pick the Sammy Hagar era of Van Halen. No. Most likely not. But it's not about the song itself. It's about the lyrics. It's about the, everything about it. It's just everything about that song is just to me, it was the right place at the right time. The feeling I was going through, emotional connection to it. Mm-hmm. So it just you connected to it. And I connected to that song in a way that just has never changed. And it's always been the song that I loved. I've never seen Van Halen play it, but I've seen Sammy Hagar play it when... Um, I was at Cabo San Lucas in Mexico. You said that, did he? He said he just played it acoustically. He played it acoustically, just with Michael Anthony, who was playing mm. bass. They played it, like, not the rock song that we know it, but um, another version of it, and I just loved it, and I was teary, and I haven't listened to it since Eddie died, because um, I, I won't listen to it for a while. Um, but yeah, that's my number one song of all time. Brilliant. Number two was Metallica 1. Good choice. I mean, yeah. you're right, but <laughs> <laughs> Metallica. It is not my favorite Metallica song, but I know where you pick one. Well, to me, it, it is one of the, my favorite songs of theirs, if not the favorite, just because the time of where I was in life. It was the first video clip. I was sitting there watching Rage every night, and I saw it. It really just shone through the rest of the other things on Rage at night. The melo- the melodic side of it, the solos of it, the footage of the video clip. Everything was. Just perfect, but the song itself was just so kind of. The opening was very quiet, and then it went into this real thrash, and it, just everything about it. So emotional side of it, the connection to it, to where I was in life, it's always going to be one of my, one of my favorite songs. One thing I've always liked, I think I might have mentioned this before, about Metallica. What I like is they're not afraid to be big, mm. even when they got shortened the songs down on. The Black, the Black Album. Album, 
they were still weren't afraid to be big. It's like they have this James Hetfield. I've got to put it probably down to him. He just has this idea that these movies, his songs are like movies in a way. Yeah. They start somewhere and they got to end in a different spot. Yeah. He doesn't write pop songs as such. He could. Mm. He could write a pop song. Um, but well, he wrote nothing <clears> else matters. And do you see them on? Howard Stern the other day when they had Miley Cyrus. Yes, yes, yes. And Elton yes. John made an appearance. And Elton John says it's one of the best songs ever recorded. One of the best songs ever written. There's nothing else matters. And James it. started crying. It got teary. So, I, and he didn't write a song for Metallica. He wrote it for himself because it was about a breakup. He was on the phone to his girlfriend, he said. And he was just, because it's, it's all open string. Open string. There's yeah. no left hand on it. It's just all bid. And it's all the open strings. Yeah. And he managed to write this piece. Yeah. With open string. And then Lars heard it one day when Lars wasn't meant to be there and he heard it and he's like, oh, what's that? And he's like, nothing, don't worry about it. And then they played again. They played it and he eventually, okay, we'll play it. And they wrote Nothing Else Matters. It's so like what Slash did with Sweet Child of Mine. Like who, sorry? Sweet Child of Mine. Slash yeah, it's did. the same yeah. thing. It was, he was just doing this finger exercise yeah. that he did, this silly little melody he came up with and Axel went, what's that? Yeah. He's like, oh, it's nothing, it's stupid. No, 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 it's that's a, perfect. Yeah. I'm writing a song about my girlfriend. Yeah. That's perfect. Let's yeah. go. It worked. It so, worked. Yeah, no, same kind of thing. So, yeah, one was just an amazing song. And it's, like I said, you know, where I was in life at the time, the back in the 90, you know, uh, sorry, 80s, everything was just perfect to line up to make that song reach me the way it did. And I've never ever, people don't like the way it's mixed and all that. And the whole It's mixed terribly. It's horrible. I just love it. I think the whole album is great the way, the original way. Um, <laughs> I, I just remember when I first, because that was the first Metallica album I board i'd read all this stuff about metallica yep. right into guitar players and heavy metal so i'm like righto yep. i didn't even know a metal i just bought that album i didn't even hadn't even heard one oh, yeah. and i bought the album and the first i heard black and i went this sounds like it's recorded in a toilet <laughs> but then i didn't realize that that was metallica's thing yeah, yeah, yeah. everything sounded like it was recorded in a toilet I no no, no was... master of puppets when i heard that one i went well that sounds better yeah well, that's because cliff was around Cliff would never have let that happen to him if he was part of the uh, ju Justice um, recording. There's no the, way in the world. The Justice Jason League was there, record, and Jason yeah. had no saying anything Poor at the time. Poor Jason. He, he was trying to make it, you know, just stay quiet and go, oh, I can't believe I'm in Metallica. If anyone copped a raw deal, there had to be a bass player in the biggest selling metal band of all yeah. time. What a raw thing that yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rob is yeah. the luckiest guy in the world, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. Crazy. Um, so, yeah, that was a number two song. Number three was Orion. Metallica. Instrumental mm -hmm. from Master of Puppets uh -huh. album. Um, again, the quiet part of that halfway through goes quiet and just a few guitars and the, still to me is one of the best pieces of See, music ever written. I like the first bit with the bass with through yep. the pedal. Yep. That's my favorite part of the song. Okay. The, when it got to the guitar bit, I kind of went, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just everything about it. Just oh, that whole groove and the, mm. oh yeah, I'm making guitar noises Ding. with my oh. mouth. So that's the top three. Are we going to do a whole show of just making guitar noises with our mouth? <laughs> That'll probably get to the stage. We'll get to we'll get to like episode forty-seven or something, and Chris and I'll look at each other and go, "What do we talk about now? Let's just make guitar noises with our mouth." <laughs> do the solo. Yeah, I so like that, this solo. Remember this one? That was my top three. What was yours again? My top three. Number one was "Comfortably Numb" by Pink Floyd. Mm -hmm. Love it. it I just, listened to it on the way in the truck the other day, actually. Yeah. The pulse version of it. Uh, I can see why you like it. Yeah. Guaranteed. It's good. The way Gailmore takes that solo and just keeps it going and keeps yeah. it going. And he builds it and builds it mm. and builds it. And it's it's just beautiful. Whereas I feel the studio version is like Roger Waters kind of went, no, no, no. You don't get too much, David. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to fade it out here. Yeah, just yeah. as the solo really starts to build. Yeah. I love all the versions of it. It's just a song that, you know, you hear a 17-year-old broken-hearted kid, mm. you know. So um, why were you broken-hearted? Girlfriend dumped me. Oh. Where else would I be broken hearted for? Shut out. <laughs> oh, no, I don't want to. It's all good. It's in the past, man. It's in the... But girlfriend dumped me. So I was like, I was... I don't know. The whole world. But there are actually two songs on that. I always remember that. It, this is in my top five. This is not my number two favorite. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to get you here. The other song that got me, and I remember... Henry Rollins talking about when you get dumped by the girl, you go into your room, you get a little cape out of a towel or something like that, get your little pen or your carrot stick or whatever it is, and you put on Ronnie James Dio. <laughs> and somehow it makes the breakup feel, and you sing along with Ron. Oh, and okay. when I heard Henry say that, I went, oh my God, I did that. Did you? I actually did that. Not so much the cape. 
but it was not so much I heard comfortably numb, and a friend of mine had lent me the Rainbow Rising tape. Yep. And I put on Stargazer, mm-hmm. and I was singing along to Ron to my broken heart oh. right there. So <laughs> I've jumped there, but Stargazer is in. That's why when you say you hate Ronnie Dio, and I think I I don't get it. Yep. Stargazer is incredible. And for, you know, when you're feeling down, there's something about hearing those Ronnie James Dio. You know, Henry Rollins is right. Ronnie Dio, it's just like, yeah! Yeah, nah. And he's always got some kind of, woman, you're evil, get out of here! <laughs> you are not righteous! He has this righteous way of singing, and, ah, oh, Stargazer just... And then that whole album has things like Tarot Woman, and, you know, yeah. do you close your eyes? You're thinking of me when we're making love, you know? And he sings it like it's the most important thing in the world. Yeah. I remember my stepbrother... He got dumped by his long-term girlfriend when we were all kids still. Yeah. He was like early teen, uh, late teens and I was early yeah. teens at the time. And he went, I, I remember, because his room was downstairs and we used to hear Hell's Bells and you know, <laughs> Number of the Beast and all of a sudden we heard Lionel Richie. Oh my God. And he was, I can't remember the song from Lionel Richie. Oh my God. But it was God. his girlfriend's favourite song. So he was listening to that and I could hear him crying and my, my youngest oh. brother. And myself went around to the girl's house and said, can you please go, go back to him because he's listening to Lionel Richie. <laughs> he must be devastated. And she's like, no, I'm not going back to him. There's, a, there's nothing else like teenage heartbreak, yeah, is there? Yeah, it's funny. Because when you get to our age, it's all divorced then, and then it's just like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, Lionel Richie made a big impression on him <laughs> for those days that he was sad. <laughs> Enough for me and my younger brother to go and knock on her door and say, he misses you. Go back to him, please. We've never heard Lionel Richie come from that. <laughs> there's this whole. I remember reading this article. There's this whole thing they call divorce rock. <laughs> it came out in the early '80s. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Phil Collins's album Face Value mm-hmm. and In the Air Tonight. That whole album yep. is about his divorce. Right. See, all these rock stars, the '70s rock stars and stuff. By the time they hit the the '80s, they were in their '30s. And they're all starting to get divorced. Right. And also it was a time in America where a lot of people, divorce became like this hot topic in the 70s. Mm. Kramer versus Kramer was the oh. box office winning hit, hit of that year yep. about a divorce. Mm. And it was like this, I remember this guy writing this article saying, yes, my mum had Ario Speedwagon's High Infidelity album. Oh, what? She'd just gotten divorced and she played it non-stop. <laughs> Keep on loving you. Take it on the run, you know? <laughs> He said, and it was all, and he looked back on it and he looked, all that stuff that was sort of big in the 80s rock, they're all breakup songs. Yeah. Lionel Richie, they're divorce songs. It's <laughs> funny, isn't it? <laughs> it is funny. Look, my number two is not a divorce song, it is Heroes by David Heroes. Bowie. Yep. Triumphant in my, that's the only mm-hmm. way I could describe it. The time when he gets, I remember standing by the wall, you know, it's it's just a beautiful, epic song. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's about, I love. Heroes because it makes you feel like doesn't matter. Well, we can be heroes for a day. Yeah. Doesn't matter what's going on in your life, but we could feel like something. Yeah. For, for for your day. Yeah. And and I, and I think that's sort of something that I I love about you know, that song. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's probably what it is. Yeah. You know. Um. Because my number three is Bruce Springsteen's "Racing in the Street." Now it's a very Dallas song. Yeah. It's a song. That is not, when I first heard, Bruce Springsteen came to Australia in 1985. That was the very first show I went and saw. And everyone was just buzzing about it. I remember listening to my old FM radio station that I listened to when I was a kid. And they were talking about racing in the street. Now, and Bruce sang this and he sang Badlands. I, oh, I know Badlands. I love that song. He sang Born to Run. I know Born to Run. He sang most of the Born to Run. I know the Born in the USA album. Yeah, I like the old stuff better. Yeah. He sang Stuff from the River. Yeah. And he said he sang Racing in the Street and it sent shivers down my spine. And I went, I have no idea what this song is but I have to hear this song. <laughs> so he did it at the show, and it wasn't what I was expecting. Right. It was this moody song, green light on Bruce, and then this beautiful epic piano solo at the end. And I went, it's not what I expected, but I love that song. Mm-hmm. And then later the next year, he released this live triple box set with that live version, with a live version of it on there. It goes for eight, nine minutes. Wow. And that was it for me. I was like, that's the song. Yeah. That song rules. And that became my favorite spring. And he's never played it since I've seen it then. Okay. Between 1985 and last time I saw him in 2016. He's never done it again, yeah. the sod. <laughs> he knows it's my favorite song too. But see, when you go to a Springsteen concert, now people now take 
signs yeah. with them to the show. Play this. Play this, play this. And sometimes it's songs that he and the band haven't played in years. Yeah. And Bruce will go through and he'll pick them and he'll and he shows it to the band. We're going to play this. So that's where the Springsteen shows change their set list. He yeah. goes, oh, we were going to do this, but... And sometimes I like that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm like, why isn't anyone down there asking for... I'm going down? Really? That's your favourite Bruce Springsteen song? <laughs> Come on, racing in the street. <laughs> but uh, what I like, lyrically too, it's about... You know, it's about a guy who goes racing in the street in his car. But it's like the whole thing, you know, he picks up this girl and then the last verse is that the girl and him, are, they're not, they don't break up, they're falling apart. Really? It's this slow, you know, we got married, but things didn't work out the way we wanted them to. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be a lot of the thing. I think that's where the connection is with Bruce Springsteen. I mentioned it in the last, in the episode we talked about this, yeah. but I think that's his connection is people say, oh, he's connected to the working class. The guy's never had a job in his life. Mm-hmm. He'll tell you that straight away. He didn't drive a car. For years, but he, he seems to have this affinity with motor vehicles and his. What it is, I think he gets though, is that everyone has dreams. Yeah. You know, you know, he says that in Badlands. Every you got to talk about a dream, you try to make it real, but you wake up in the night with a fear so real. He read that when he was twenty-eight. Mm. When you're twenty-eight, you kind of feel late thirties. You know, you kind of feel the world's not. Is the world turning out the way I wanted it to? You know, there's this another song on his Darkness on the Edge of Town album, the title track, where, where it talks about, you know, some folks, everybody's got a secret, you know, something they can't face until one day it just jumps up and gets you. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is perceptive stuff. Yeah. From a, essentially a young man, he seemed to be able to tap into this whole thing of life isn't going to work out the way you wanted it to. Yeah. But... That's no reason to give up. Yeah. And probably the best one was when 9-11 happened. The story goes, somebody yelled out at Bruce, we need you right now. They saw him driving the street and they said, we need you right now. And he wrote this album called The Rising, where all the songs are literally about bad things happening, but not giving up. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, I don't <clears throat> think it's the connection. He understands that. Yeah. He understands that there's joy in little things in life. There's joy in big things. There's sadness as well. Yeah. we got to kind of, it all goes together. Mm. So, yeah. You don't have sadness unless you have um, anger and everything else goes, you know, because that's what makes those emotions different. Yeah. You need, you need both. You need both. Yeah. I think I think Bowie kind of gets that thing too. You know, his songs can be quite joyful and there's also some very sad ones he, yeah. un- he understood that you know um, Pink Floyd seemed to be incredibly morose all the time <laughs> but then you get Kiss that are one of my favourite bands that are happy all the time mm. it's funny that you find an Van Halen song as emotional well it's, as it's it is. dreams it's like you said before you know you can get through things if you, you know, dreams is a, a great title everyone yeah. has dreams in their life and the, and the chorus is about getting higher and higher and yeah. trying to above go above everything you know? I remember when I first heard that song I couldn't believe the vocal. Nice. You sing it higher, and I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, yeah. He, he's he, and it did make you feel. And there's two video clips for it. The original video clip for Dreams is the Blue Angels, which was the most popular one. Yeah, and then yeah. they released one later on where they had the secret concert at the Whiskey Go Go. Yeah. And they end up playing there, and they announced it on the radio, and then you see the footage of that being filmed now, and they recorded Dreams. And the streets of LA are just people were just running to try to get tickets for this one-off gig in the middle of nowhere. Because you know, that's like Van Halen were like, yeah. And everyone, it, that was a weird moment. The, the, the um, original one, watching these planes do the stunts. That's mm. it's it's a um, the Blue the Air Angels Force, Blue yeah. Angel stunt team. It's watching them do what they do, and it's just incredible. But it kind of really lifts you up, you know. Mm. So if you ever felt sad or whatever it was. That was a song I listened to. I read a quote from John Bon Jovi the other day where he, they were talking about you know, how rockers reacted to grunge. Because yeah. a lot of people say it killed the LA music scene, but yeah. it did and it didn't. It didn't. The LA scene was. It wouldn't have died if it wasn't already disappearing anyway. It was disappearing. If you've ever yeah. watched the, 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 if you ever watched that fantastic documentary, The um, the Decline of Western Civilization 2, The Metal Years, mm-hmm. it's all on YouTube. Watch it. You could, it was disappearing up its own ass. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was totally disappearing, you know? It was so self-involved and into itself. It, it was no longer joining. People no longer felt like they were part of their community. When they heard grunge, they saw what people saw when it came to the grunge movement, I suppose, if you yep. want to call it that, was themselves on stage. Mm. They didn't see guys with hair and spandex and chicks everywhere. They saw themselves, a yep. bunch of kids. And that's the same with the guys. thrash in yeah. you know, San Francisco. You were just an angry guy who wore denim. Well, now you've got a band to go follow, bands to follow. You know? mm. You've got something to go and join and be part of. But everyone, everyone likes to join things. People follow sporting teams. You know, I'm a Cronulla supporter. Oh, yeah. People love watch, watching sporting teams and connecting with it and buying them uh, the T-shirts and yeah. that kind of thing. I, Same with bands. You know? I, I think that's the thing is music, that's probably what we're trying to get through with episodes like this is the connection that music does have. Yeah. And it does. It connects emotionally. I'll tell you this story. This is one of my favorite music connecting stories. Is um, I'm a Kiss fan, as you probably know. Mm-hmm. And one of those songs that does lift you up is Shout It Out Loud by Kiss. Mm-hmm. If ever I'm feeling down, Shout It Out Loud, out loud is the happiest song to me. Yep. It makes me feel like I just want to jump up and down and shout it out loud. And another one that makes me feel happy is Salisbury Hill by Peter Gabriel. Oh, wow. It does. There you go. I know you found out lyrically it was about him leaving Genesis. And okay. making the hard decision to go off and do his own, own thing. thing. And when I read that, I went, no wonder it makes me feel yeah, yeah. joyful. You know, yeah. there's a there's a trepidation in the song, but there's also this sense of joy. Mm. So, yeah, those two songs make me feel happy. <laughs> but, yeah, when we saw Kiss on the reunion tour, um, so this is the first, you know, the back with the makeup. This is 1997, and we're all mad for Kiss again. Mm. Kiss has just become, like, biggest band in the world all over again and they came to Brisbane and I'm sitting there waiting for them and I'm sitting beside this guy and this guy's like my you know got to talking because Kiss fans do that yeah they, they just it's like that is a community yeah if there's any band that creates a community it's Kiss mm-hmm. and you know there's something about Kiss fans something about them anyway this guy's sitting there talking to me and he's like he says to me do you think they're gonna play Beth now, Beth is probably, to me, the weakest Kiss track. Oh, really? But for some people, yeah. it's clearly special. Yeah. It's just a ballad. It's just Peter Chris sings this dopey, Beth, are you calling? Anyway, I said to this guy, Peter Chris is back in the band. Of course they're going to do Beth. Yeah. Of course they're going to do Beth. He said, oh, man, I hope they do Beth. I just hope they do Beth. Anyway, we're all standing up during the show, having a great time. And then, lights go down a bit. And Peter Chris comes out the front. I got a song for everybody, and he sits on his stool. And they play the they plays to a tape. I mean, oh, really? you know what I mean? Like only Kiss could play to a tape, and the crowd goes oh, for it. So Peter Chris is playing to the tape of Beth. Beth, I hear you calling. Thank God the song's only about two and a half minutes long. <laughs> Anyway, I looked to my right where this guy was sitting, and he is down. <laughs> crying his eyes out. <laughs> I'm thinking, that, that guy's life is now complete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His life is now complete. Yeah. And I thought, I'd probably be like that if I ever saw David Gilmore with Pink Floyd doing Comfortably Numb again. Mm. That'd probably be me. I'd probably be, or if Bruce Springsteen ever did um, Racing in the Street. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be, yeah, on the granny to racing. <laughs> if I see Sammy Hagar, because obviously Eddie can't be part of it, but if Sammy Hagar ever plays Dreams again, and I'm there watching it, that would be when I crack. <laughs> because I mean, it's going to be... Like, I don't know if I'd want to be there. <laughs> Wear some gumboots. <laughs> well, there's a lot building. <laughs> Are you going to be like a cartoon character? You know, they just like, the tears just fly. Like Peppa Pig. The tears just fly out Probably. everywhere. And it's going to be like, there's nothing left of the guy. Yeah, He's no. a potato chip. He has no moisture <laughs> left in his body. We actually have actually put water down his throat and none of it's getting in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, so that's them. Um, so, yeah, top three of each of us again. Now, four. Four. Well, this is where... Let's put them in order. Just favourite songs. Just favourite songs, you know. Yeah. Just things that come out at you. And, you know, I mentioned Stargazer by Rainbow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Another one I love that always gets me and I have to listen to it. You know, it's like one of the... You know, you've got that song that you have to stop and listen to. Mm-hmm. No, shh. Mm-hmm. That's when my wife wants to talk to me. It's like, yeah, okay, shh. <laughs> I mean, listen to this bit. Listen to this bit. 46 and 2 by Tool. 
Oh, really? Oh, I love that song. Really? Wow. From the opening, the bass, all the way, the way that song, another one builds up. So what year was that? Out. Two, 1996 that came out. So on where the, were you when you heard that for the first time? Just listened on the radio. Okay, so it wasn't like an emotional breakup no, or anything. No, like no, just, no, 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 no. Just I, the song got you. Just the song got me. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things you, you're hearing it, you know. I think I was in the car somewhere and I heard it and it just made me feel like mm-hmm. I, I just got all tense and in the moment, you know, and I just kind of went, yeah, man, you know, yeah. like this is this is what it is. This, yeah. this is something. I, I'm hearing something, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what about for you? What's your next one for you? Um, for me, would probably be one of the Dream Theater songs off the album Images and Words. Uh-huh. Take the Time is a great song emotionally. It's not an emotional song for me, but just the song itself. It has so many different styles in it. It's a long song. It's I one love of the first songs. songs I heard from um, Dream Theater, which really got me to like Dream Theater. Uh-huh. They also have a song on that album called Surrounded, which I just love. It's a ballad, but yeah, that album is just brilliant. It's, I think it's the second album they released. Okay. This was back in the day. Were they, I'm not a Dream Theater fan. I find them a bit too technical for me to get into, but mm-hmm. clearly you like them. But did they sort of come out fully formed in that first two records? Like did They've they... changed a few times since, but the original three, um, John Petrucci, who plays guitar, who's mm-hmm. probably one of the greatest guitar players ever. Yeah, he's up there, yeah. Known on the planet. Um, John Myong, the bass player, mm-hmm. and... Back then, it was Mike Portnoy. Mark, Mike Portnoy. The drummer. Yeah, yeah he's They a... formed this band when they were both, all three of them were at Berkeley College of Music. So they went to Berkeley, they, they met each other, you got to be and good they to quit even, Berkeley. You've you got to be good to even get into Berkeley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those three are just brilliant players in their own right. Uh-huh. Um, they met, they quit Berkeley and, and created um, Dream Theater with a different guitar player, ah, sorry, different keyboard player and a different singer. And then later on, um, they've had a few changes, but those three have been there until would have been 2011. Portnoy left. Portnoy left. Mm. Um, Hasn't been keen to go back either, has he? No, he won't. Yeah, yeah there's, there's better bad blood there, isn't there? Well, not anymore, because he just recorded Liquid Extension um, again now with um, Jordan, the key- keyboard player yeah. from Dream Theater and... Um, John Petrucci, and a bass player called Tony Levin. Oh, Tony Levin. So they did an album way back in the... Tony Levin was in King Crimson, man. Yeah. You know. So they, those four got together years ago and did an instrumental album. Oh. Liquid Extension. Liquid Extension Experiment. But you probably might find, like they do with all these bands, they think, oh yeah, I've worked with you now, but God, if I had to work with you properly yeah. and tour with you again, yep. I couldn't do it. Yeah. It's like Kiss. They always... They always bitching on at each other. Mm, but then yeah. you'll see Ace Fraley and Gene Simmons yep. do a thing, do a gig together. And the next thing they're talking smack to each other on, in the press, you know. I yep. think it's just one of those things, you know. Yep. So they just recorded their new album, the four of them. Okay. But during COVID time, they were doing the new Dream Theater album, but they decided to just get together and do a new um, instrumental album, which mm-hmm. I love their instrumental albums because I love Dream Theater and I have done ever since I heard this album I was talking about, mm-hmm. Images and Words. But I tend to not like everything they do because I'm get i sick of the... I'm, I'm tired of hearing the singer. He's very, very good. Yeah, I think that's probably what I didn't like about voice him. I never voice doesn't liked change. Singing. Yeah, I didn't like the singing. I, I thought... Uh, the singing it suits have... some songs, but after hearing a few albums of it, I just wish they he could do a bit more with his voice, mm. which is pretty bad of me to ask, uh, say because I that's can't sing like he can, but it is what it is, and I just... I'm tired of his voice, but they're instrumentals. Uh, just brilliant. So when they sing a song where, when they play a song which has got a little bit of lyrics in it and they get into the guitar part or you get in the keyboard part, whatever it is, it's just amazing to listen to. So I like the, I like the instrumentals pretty more than some of the songs, recent albums. I got to, when I said mentioned Tool before, I, I love Tool. Yep. They're one of my all time favorite bands. I love them. I, I can't sort of think of when they produced something that wasn't short of brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant or it's not quite as brilliant as the, but it's they're an amazing band but the guitarist Adam Jones worked with the bass player Justin Chancellor and the drummer Danny Kerry who is an amazing drummer yep. he does look like he's got three arms oh, oh yeah <laughs> you know um, you said you said you thought they played along to a tape the music's very intricate no 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 
I thought that he sang. He sang to a tape. <laughs> okay, sorry. I don't, yeah, the music's very intricate. The timing on their stuff's very intricate, you mm-hmm. know. Um, Adam Jones recently did a thing for Gibson Guitars, which is only on YouTube, right. called The Witness, mm-hmm. which is an instrumental piece okay. that he did with the other two members of Tool. Right. And it's brilliant. Okay. It's an amazing piece of music. And it made me think, why don't these guys just release instrumental music? Mm-hmm. I don't always need Maynard's vocals. I know it's all part of Tool, but if you guys released just instrumental music, because I love instrumental stuff, yeah, yeah. I do, I would buy that. I would get into that. Yeah. I, I love that, you know? I love it. I love instrumental music. Yeah. Um, so that's the probably the four for me, those two songs from number four, but then, or my fourth, but then two songs from Pantera, which I love. The first song I ever heard from Pantera was Mouthful War. <laughs> it was off their, well, theoretically third album, but... Um, Vulgar Display yeah. of Power. I think that is one of the great metal albums. Oh. I will stand by that. That's in the top ten. Yeah. Vulgar Man, Display of Power. I that song. We should love it. But um, that song, to me, just shows the ability of all the players, the, uh, the, the guys playing in the band, mm. the singer. Mm. Phil, I think, has got one of the greatest rock voices ever. He can sing everything that the guy from Dream Theater can't. Yeah. You know? So, and the guy from Dream Theater, he's... He's trained classically, you know. He's, oh, yes, it, he's yeah. brilliant, mm. but he can't do a lot of the growling. Which sometimes I think Dream Theater they play some really heavy music, and they have this high pitched voice on it. It mm. doesn't match. So I think when you get Phil from um, from Pantera playing their songs like Mouthful War, it's brilliant. I saw Pantera live, and I still say they're one of my favorite live bands oh, I've ever seen. But yeah. I was amazed at how Phil could keep that up all night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then he sings my second, my favourite song from them also is Cemetery Gates. Oh, okay. And that's where you hear him sing yeah, yeah, yeah. how good he is. He's really high, he's really growling, mm. he does what he has to do for the song. Mm. It's just brilliant. So those yeah. songs from um, Pantera are just amazing songs. And I met them, and they played when they, when they toured for Far uh, Beyond Driven. Um, didn't really think much of it. Got them signed CDs, you know, that kind of thing. And they played the next day, and uh, that night, and we went and watched them. Great mosh pit. It was so much fun. Do you realise though when when Pen- that album Fabio and Driven came out in '94, metal was kind of done. Yeah, they kind of rejuvenated. They kind of rejuvenated. They kind of like invented their own kind of like yeah. they called a power groove. Yeah, it was a groove. Like it was a groove. Real kind of, groove. But I just remember your yeah, metal because of because of the whole Seattle. Yeah, Because well, yeah. those bands from Seattle were heavy. Yeah. They 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 had a heaviness to them. Soundgarden had that low tuning. There was a heaviness yeah. to it. Melvins had this low, low tuning to yeah. their stuff. So metal as such wasn't really happening. No. And when, so when these guys came out in 94, they were kind of like the only metal band around. Yeah. And because they were so... Because Metallica by then were not... Well, they were still touring the, the Black Album by 94. Mm. But yeah, Pantera kind of kept the flag yeah. flying a little bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, if you read a lot of stuff... The 90s wasn't very good for heavy metal. The mid-90s, no. The mid-90s wasn't. And that's yeah. when Load came out, those things later on. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, still kind of disappeared. But mm. yeah, just to touch base quickly on a couple of other songs. Blinda Carlisle's album, Runaway Horses, Summer Rain. Love Leave the Light Blinda On. Carlisle. They are brilliant. They always will be brilliant. You love Blinda No Carlisle. one is going to ever change my mind. You know what song I really love? I'm going to admit it right now. Fantasy by Mariah Carey. Really? Love it. All right, there you go. It's good. It's got... It's Sample is the... Um, the Tom Tom Club song, Genius of Love. Yep. Love that song. Yep. Love Genius of Love. And then hear Mariah Carey do it. <laughs> and I, I, I remember when it came out, I just went, I love this. Yeah. This is 1997 or not. You know, I'm listening to all this heavy stuff. And then that comes out. And I'm just like, I love this song. Yeah. Um, I think we've all got to have one of those. Well, with Janet Jackson as well. She's pretty cool. Black Cat, Rhythm Nation. Rhythm Nation's um, a kicking song. That album was brilliant. Rhythm Nation was an amazing album. And then the album after Jimmy that, Jam and Terry Lewis produced that from the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so that, yeah, Jenna Jackson back then was brilliant. Um, saw her live, amazing. Mm. Um, and that's, yeah, those... I saw Michael Jackson live. Did you really? 87 Bad Tour. Oh, there you go. Fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Of course it would be. He's Michael Jackson. I know, it was, it was As a performer and artist, he's... It was Brilliant. This is when people said he, he performed in a plastic bubble and no one could get near him. <laughs> Far from it. 
Guy, I've never seen a performer with the audience in the palm of his hand like Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing performer. Yeah. I know some people have said to me, oh, really, Michael Jackson? But I'm telling you. He, yeah. wasn't, he wasn't who he was. Who was the guitar player then? Jennifer Patton. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she had the big white hair. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great guitar player. Mm, very mm. good at finger tapping. Yes, she was able to do the beat it solo oh, very she, well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I want to give you another song. This song changed my life. I'm gonna. I haven't talked about this one yet. Um, Faith No More's "Epic." Oh wow! Yeah, this song changed my life. And so you know, we've talked a lot about what we were listening to. You know, we talked about that transition from 1989 to 1991. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we talked about all you know how all these albums were out. But in 1989, I was listening to. White Snake. I was listening to Motley Crue's yep. Dr. Feelgood. I was listening to Aerosmith's Pump. They were probably the, Pump and Dr. Feelgood were probably the two albums I listened to more than anything. Yep. Skid Row, first album as well. Yep. Listen to those three constantly, waiting for the new Guns N' Roses album. Yep. Um, waiting for the new Metallica album, I yep. suppose. You know, just there was that period where nothing much was really going on. I remember um, Dave Grohl saying when Nirvana was signed, the biggest selling artist was Wilson Phillips. Oh, wow. Hold On by Wilson Phillips was the biggest selling single of 1990. The biggest selling album was um, Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him, MC Hammer and of 1990. Wilson and Phillips' song is played on the radio every day, I hear it. Yeah. Still to this day. Still to this day, Wilson Phillips. And he said that was the musical landscape. Mm. I think the only real heavy band out there was Living Color. Wow. But because they were black, they were hard to cross over. Yeah. But Vernon Funky. Reed, whoa. Another yeah. phenomenal guitarist. Yeah. So they were really, they had two albums out by them, but there was this transition. Nothing much was really happening. Mm. And I remember reading, I knew of Faith No More. They'd come out, they'd, you know, it wasn't like they'd, they'd snuck up on me. They kind of didn't, didn't. I'd heard We Care A Lot. And I yep. thought, that's a cool, funky song. Yep. That's all I thought it was, just a cool, funky song. I thought yep. they were great. And then I read in a guitar magazine about the new album. Hadn't heard it. Just heard, opens with this heavy riff. Um, a Getty Lee's type singing, and then it goes into a gut bucket rap, heavy guitars, and finishes on classical piano. Right. What album finishes and starts like that? Yeah. I thought, <laughs> I have to listen to that record. Yeah. That, to me, has got everything I want in a song. Mm -hmm. At this time, I think Guns N' Roses had released Civil War, and I loved the long, epic yeah. song that they'd done. And I remember I I saw the epic video, you know, and it, they weren't talking about the first song when they talked about the Getty Lee singing was the first one, Falling... No, um, from out of nowhere. That's the first mm -hmm. song on the real thing album. But I heard Epic, and I just went, wow. "What yeah. is?" To quote the song, "What is it? <laughs> what is this?" You know, you like with one. Yeah, For me, yeah. that was Epic. Yeah. Jaw to the floor. I was like, "A song can do this. Mm. This is, this is rock and roll now. Mm. This listen to listen to it again. It was one of those yeah. ones. I had to hear it again. You know what? What it opens with that." The keyboard, beautiful mix of keyboards and guitars. The guitar was heavy. Mm. You know, he, he Jim Martin. Oh, he said he tried to make it sound like someone vomiting. <laughs> the guitar was heavy. Um, the the bass playing was had that slapping bass that was becoming and rapping. Over, well, I liked hip hop, so yeah. you know it was like yeah. And then solo was killer. And then it ends with the classical piano mm -hmm. and what. Then the piano blows up. And then the piano blows up and the fish dying. <laughs> but it was, to me, it was like the song itself was, what? Yeah. You know, this, and it went number one in Australia. So I wasn't the only one who kind of went. Yeah, we played that live. Did you? No, absolutely. Good on you. Great song. It's a great song. Both of them were brilliant. They were brilliant. And because I bought the album and went, this guy's a brilliant. Mm. I remember I bought the next album, Angel Dust, and kind of went, scratched my head and went, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> but after about three or four listens, I kind of went, oh yeah. Yeah. I get it. These like, guys are out there. They're doing sometimes stuff. Sometimes you have to listen to a song a few times. It's a good song, but you listen to it more and more and it grows on you. And I love the growing songs. Because they're the best ones. They seem to last longer in your catalogue than the ones that you listen to straight away and go, this is great. Mm. And eventually, kind of like, they wear thin. Yeah. So that was definitely an album I thought was, mm. the that album was a grower, I guess you could call it. You talk about songs that wear thin, and um, we'll close it up here on this one. Because you talk about you hear songs all the time and you just sort of think to yourself, oh, I've heard that many times. Like, if I never hear, if, like, if I never hear Pink Floyd's Money again, yep. it's one of those songs for me. Mm. It's Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven. If I never hear it again, yep. I'll, I'll, I, won't be, I won't be mad. Yeah, and if I don't ever hear Colette ring my bell, I'll be happy. How often were you hearing that song? How do you go to, how do we start 
And then you go to these pop songs. What are you hiding? Because she was like the Britney Spears of Australia for so long. What are you going to do? You gotta, when you go and see Sammy Hagar live, are you going to stand there? Are you going to be crying? And then you're going to be going, you can ring my bell. It's all going to come out. Belinda Carlisle songs. And it's going, Chris, what are you holding in? These black T-shirts are only just a thin veneer, man. That's what this podcast is for. It's just a, I'm telling you now, we are laying out Chris Butenhouse. It's therapy. It's therapy. <laughs> no, that was a joke. That was a funny song when it came out. It was, wasn't it? But she was. It was, like just, a, it was just a pop song. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. all it was. I was just joking. <laughs> but yeah, she was like the Britney Spears of Australia at the time. Yeah. Colette. Colette. With all the fluoro clothing and bikey clothing. Whatever what the hell was I talking about <laughs> before you mentioned Colette? Uh, what was I talking about? Oh, God. I'm not going to rewind it because that's the whole thing. It's, it's live. It is live. It's podcast live to air. Mm. Yeah. Oh, God. Let's wrap it up. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Thank again. you. Well, well, we, oh, just, it, Who knows Colette, what to expect in this show? Colette just did my head in. I'm going to listen back when I edit that. I go, that's what I was talking about. Oh, Chris, I want to bring it up again. When I was, That's right. Two songs. Yep. It's not Colette. No. It's two songs that I can listen to whenever I'm on the radio. I will turn up and hear them in full. Mm -hmm. Alive and Kicking by Simple Minds. Really? I love that. I love Simple Minds. I think they're great. Really? But Alive and Kicking, great song. There you go. Running Down a Dream by Tom Petty. Okay. I still love that song. Yep. As soon as I hear it, turn it up. Good car driving song. That Mike Campbell guitar solo at the end. Perfect. It's, it's, It's almost... Perfect in a way. I think I think I've mentioned this before, but Goanna for me. Yes, you like that one. Yeah, I love that song. Um, uh, great, so- oh, not great, so- I was gonna say great. No, solid rock, dude. solid rock, solid I can rock. Listen to that, but also Midnight Oil. Um, Beds are burning. Oh, I love Dead Heart. Uh, if they're on the radio, I'll stop in the truck and not deliver. deliver so beds are burning. So beds are burning. It's a great song, and I don't own the albums. But again, like I said last mm. time, you know, you don't need to own them because they're on the radio all the time. Dead Heart. Is, yeah. Dead Heart was my favourite Midnight Oil yeah. song. Oh, amazing, amazing. Band. You know what was another great Australian artist? Colette. Let's go. <laughs> See you later, everybody. <laughs> Bye. See you later. On YouTube, everything. Just Please subscribe. Subscribe. Comment. Comment. Do that. Put our numbers up. Subscribe first. If you watch the show on YouTube, subscribe, please. Call it. Help us out. Call it indeed. Call it from two. She's great. See ya.